In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we're speaking with Willow Mariano, who is covering, I guess it would be accurate to say, the intersection right now of the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, and now um, the social justice, racial justice protests sweeping the the rest of the nation in Georgia. Uh, is that is that right, Willow? Yeah, that's just about right. I, you know, I've been covering both. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep tabs on uh, on everything that's going on. And it's a weird combination. It's it's something nobody could have imagined would happen. Not at all, especially when we have an election um, on Tuesday, <laughs> on June 9th, um, where both these issues are completely reshaping, you know, the contours of of, of, of what the candidates are saying, the, really the contours of the vote. Um it's transformed the way candidates campaign, and it's also led to more urgent calls um, for racial justice and, and criminal justice overhauls. But we'll start first things first on the coronavirus part of your beat. Um, Georgia has relaxed even more coronavirus restrictions um, as of last Monday, as of June 1st. Uh, it allowed bars, night lo- nightclubs, amusement parks to reopen, as well as summer schools, overnight camp, team sports, professional sports. And uh, paved the way for for larger gatherings without social distancing. Um, But it did require that medically fragile people and those over 65 should continue to shelter in place. So, So Willow, what do public health experts make of all this? They're worried because just on the face of things, if you allow more people to hang out together, there's just more likelihood of the spread of infectious disease. And, and the, the difficult thing about this is that we won't know for about two weeks after it takes place. Uh, now, the curious thing, too, is uh, so we're all sort of waiting here to figure out if there's going to be a surge in cases. It's, and it's, it's really not clear. A lot of Georgians hunkered down. They stayed at home despite the reopening uh, or the partial reopening at the end of April. Uh, and then we started to see uh, increased mobility as time moved on. And and the real question is, so long term, how well are people going to continue social distancing by choice, uh, continue wearing masks? Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of um, uh, things we just don't know because we've never been in the middle of something like this. So, so uh, epidemiologists think, okay, it's pretty obvious that uh, the cases are going to increase. Uh, we don't know how much 
uh, and we've never been in the middle of this before, but, you know, and we don't know when. Yeah, and the governor has kind of kept the same line, which is saying that um, he's concerned about public safety and public health, but he said um, part of that is to reinvigorate the state's economy. And he, he said, uh, he's even suggested that if there's a second wave, he would not impose new economic restrictions, um, you know, in order to keep the, the, the economy humming. Um, so he's, he's kind of made his stand. And, and Vice President Pence came here a couple of days ago for the second time in a week and for the second time in a week also said that Georgia uh, continues to be sort of a model for the nation, which was a clear reversal of where the Trump administration stood just about a month ago when the president said that Georgia was acting too quickly to phase in sectors of the economy. So it's kind of bewildering. Um, but, you know, it seems like top Republicans are, are, are starting to more aggressively back um, Kemp's approach. And you're seeing other states take similar approaches. And meanwhile, Democrats, public health experts, and still some Republicans are um, are concerned. And we have a new UGA poll out showing that about 40% of people uh, agree with the governor's approach, which you know is still underwater. It's still it's still negative, but that's a that's a big improvement from about uh, a month ago, where it was only 26% or 24%, only about a quarter of voters. So he's seen a. Uh, you know, an increase in people sort of siding with with how he's taken his strategy. Yeah, I'm curious about this because um, it, it was pretty clear to epidemiologists that it was going to be hard to keep people uh, indoors, social distancing, uh, unless there were some pretty decisive actions, you know, some pretty, uh, you know, and, and statements from from leadership. Uh, and, you know, as the pandemic wears on, no one wants to stay at home anymore. Everyone wants to play out in the sunshine. People miss their friends. Uh, so I can see the, you know, the tide of public opinion turning towards Kemp. But is this going to be, a, uh, you know, is this going to be permanent? I, I think if the, if the infectious um, infections uh, increase, uh, this all could vanish. It's It's a really... Interesting, you know, you question here. I mean, where, where is public opinion going to go if if um, if this uh, infections, if COVID nineteen sort of goes south, and, and we're in the same position as we were in early March with rapid spread? Yeah, that that, that leads me to the next question, which is where where are we with testing in Georgia? How how has the state held up um, since testing began? Because you've been all over um, this the, the data element of this beat for a number of reasons. It's been hard to tell. The, you know, one indicator we look at is just the sheer number of tests done. And as I had written before, the um, uh, these antibody tests were lumped in with diagnostic tests that detect the virus uh, as people are sick. And so uh, and there were there were 57,000 of them. So we, we could not quite tell uh, how what how good our testing system was because sheer numbers that you know the percentage of population the greater percent of population that are um that are tested given the diagnostic test you know the better off uh, we are it makes things much easier for public health uh officials to control the spread of the virus but the antibody uh numbers don't do that so um and recently the state has separated them out, so it's a little easier to tell. Um, and but it's still I mean, we really can't tell. I mean, what we do know is that last week, um, 
the number of uh, of cases, new cases reported, did jump, according to our figures, by about 25 percent. The um, this week uh, we didn't see a, a, a similar jump. In fact, the numbers are a lot closer to two weeks ago. And we also don't know what that means because does does this mean that a lot of tests weren't reported uh, in the past week? Does it mean that there's actually a slowing in the spread of the virus? We really don't know because the reporting is so uneven and the numbers are so flawed. So so, so there's, there's really no good conclusion to be drawn out of this except that we, we, we just have to stay vigilant and, and, and pay close attention. And me and you, we, we, we tag team a story about those data missteps um, a few weeks, a few days ago, where the governor said, look, we're not perfect. We've got to we've got to order review. And he and he kind of um, kind of uh, foreshadowed uh, what was to come, which was um, he said, look, uh, you know, they had been doing um, multiple updates every day on the state's public health website. And he goes, we, we might have to go to do what other states do is just do one update every day in order to make sure our our data was right, because. Uh, reporters like you were finding and public health experts were finding all sorts of um, issues, big and small, um, that, that that raised concerns and made it look like the state was trying to, at least some of the data made it look like the state was trying to downplay um, some of the uh, or, or make some of the cases information look look better for the state. Yeah. And it's it was a really important, significant step forward. Uh, and, you know, and, and a lot of uh, even critics of the Kemp administration have really applauded that move. I mean, you, there was no real use for real-time data. Um, there is no such thing as real-time data uh, when it comes to COVID. Uh, we 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 only uh, we don't know what the virus is doing right now. We can't know because it takes a while for uh, the uh, person to be infected, then show symptoms, then get tested, and then after that have those tests reported to the state. So the idea of constant updates uh, really didn't make a whole lot of sense from an epidemiological standpoint. Um, a huge step forward. And again, I think that there are a lot of people who want to credit this administration for vastly expanding its testing effort. So, um, and, and with more numbers, with more data, um, come more issues of just organizing it, counting it, making sure it's accurate. So overall, the sense is that, hey, great idea. Thank goodness. And this is a reminder to all our readers and listeners and anyone else that um, the state does encourage anyone, that you, even those with, uh, with no symptoms at all, to go get screened for coronavirus, um, you know, to, to help kind of help the state get a baseline uh, and also, um, uh, you know, to, to help kind of drive those numbers up. Um, and so there's drive-through testing sites. There are there are um, testing sites at convenience centers. There's testing sites kind of all over the state now. And you can go to the um, the, the Augusta University's health app, um, or any number, or your doctor's office, or any number of other um, state resources and medical resources to arrange those tests. And, and and Willow, I mean, if you don't mind, you you've had those tests. What's it like? Yeah, um, it's not the most comfortable experience, but it was extremely easy. I went about a, I think about a week and a half ago or so to uh, the Georgia State site, which is near my house, um, and to set up an appointment. All I had to do was make a phone call. They told me the site was open, and within a half an hour, I was there and had a probe up my nose, one of those swabs. Uh, you know, it was very quick. 
very quick and, and impressive, I have to say. So, uh, you know, again, I mean, the idea that anyone can get tested is, is a very powerful one. At the time, I was asymptomatic. Uh, so a huge difference from when I tried to get tested when I had flu-like symptoms, you know, uh, in uh, late March, early April, when it was just simply not possible. Uh, and that actually also raises a question, too. We get, uh, uh, we get emails from readers, tweets from readers saying, you know, I can't get tested. Um, uh, so there is a sense, you know, or it's not worth getting tested because it'll just, uh, I'll just get denied. Uh, so there is still a sense out there that you cannot, um, and it, it's taken some public messaging to turn the tide on that one. Yeah. Because we, we had been kind of drilled into our head for so long that only people with symptoms or people who are front on, you know, the frontline medical staff and first responders, um, should be getting these tests and just basically, you know, for a while, it was just assume you have it if you if you have those symptoms and just stay home and self-isolate. And now things have changed. They've expanded the testing capacity. Um, a lot of that PPE and, and PPE isn't just masks and, and gloves, but it's also like the swabs. You know, some of the places were running out of swabs and now they've they've gotten back to a, a good a good place with all those numbers. Yeah, but I would caution you about those swabs and all the other testing supplies um, at hospitals. It's still... Um, uh, it's, uh, they need the rapid tests for a variety of reasons to help conserve their PPE. Uh-huh. And, and they're still having trouble uh, and unevenness when it comes to getting the supplies uh, because everybody wants, uh, every hospital wants those rapid tests. They need the rapid tests. And uh, now that everyone has their systems in place, it still is hard to get um, the kits that they need to, um, you know, to conduct them. So it's, it's, it's still a fluid situation out there. And a lot of it depends on how well people social distance and, uh, you know, how, how well um, states control the spread of, the, uh, of COVID. Well, speaking of that, uh, let's, let's transition to the protest and the pandemic, because it's been called a pandemic with a pandemic. And um, there's, there's just widespread concern about the spread of the coronavirus um, because of these mass gatherings, these nationwide protests following the killing of George Floyd, uh, who is knelt on his neck was knelt on by police officers in in Minneapolis, of course, um, as the whole nation now knows, and it, it's really exposed um, or, or it's ignited a lot of um, furor that is with demands for social justice and racial equities um, that have been people have been calling for this for you know years, decades, um, but it's really ignited a new movement here in recent days. And we've had daily protests in Atlanta since Friday, uh, May 29th, and thousands of people out in very close quarters, some with masks, some without. Uh, I've been covering it, you've been covering it. Um, You know, very, very tight areas and led Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms of Atlanta to say, if you were out of those protests, go get a test. Uh, She's worried about the rapid spread of coronavirus under under such tight conditions. Yeah, and it's it's a curious um, issue too because um, there's so much distrust of any authority uh, in uh, among these protesters that um, it'll take uh, some trust building to make them comfortable uh, to go get tested at government sites, which is where the you know testing is free. So, so there's a lot of relationship building that, that might ha- have to take place in order to make sure that the, you know, that people who um, were exposed, if they were exposed during the, the protests, uh, uh, get isolated. Um, and, and also there's just, you know, people are, are, are so focused, are, are so um, heartbroken, are so moved by, um, uh, you know, by what took place in Minneapolis, by that killing that, mm-hmm. you know, I, 
I don't, yeah, it, it just seems to no longer be on the radar of a lot of people. I mean, the outrages are sort of blocked out. Uh, concern for personal health and safety. If somebody's willing to go out, uh, you know, go out and face uh, the prospect of um, being tear gassed, um, I mean, are, are they really going to be, um, you know, go out and get a COVID test? I mean, that that's, they're really willing to, to risk life and limb here. Uh, so, um, you know, so, so it'll take some convincing and uh, a lot of effort to make sure that as many people as possible get, t- uh, get tested. Yeah, because it's come. These protests have come after what we're at, maybe week ten, week eleven of coronavirus, uh, of pandemic sort of restrictions, and um, you know we're far from where we were in 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 late March, early April, where where you know businesses were mostly shut down, the streets were almost completely empty. But we're still facing, you know, it's still far lighter traffic than normal, far lighter business activity than than we're used to. But at the same time. The public is getting the message that things are starting to go back to a to a new normal, right? I mean, bars can reopen, restaurants can reopen um, if they follow safety guidelines. Um, soon, you'll be able to go to Six Flags again if you want. They, you know, things like that. So, so you're right. I mean, I think that also leads to the um, uh, leads to the conclusion that you know things are getting back to normal, and and if people are willing to brave the streets at night, you know, clashing with with um, uh, police officers and National Guard's troops, then um, they are less likely to worry about, you know, the invisible enemy, as, as, as President Trump puts it, the the the, uh, the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, there's no, um, it, it just seems like such a long time ago when we were all focused on COVID, even though it's only been a week. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's stunning how things can change so quickly. And how, you know, how crises can just sort of turn on a dime. We can move from one crisis to another uh, and, and just sort of, uh, you know, it feels like the world has changed. And, you know, I think for a lot of protesters and a lot of people watching the protests, um, it, it's it's hard to focus again on personal safety, on wearing a mask, uh, on all those sorts of things that, that we used to before. And, and you know, we're now, uh, you know, and I think it's a lot easier for people to forget to um social distance, even if they are, you know, safety minded, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, getting infected, um, you know, when there's so much going on. I mean, there's so much to think about, really, and, you know, it, regardless of whether or not you're protesting, um, it, it, you know, and, and so donning and doffing a mask, uh, wearing gloves, um, you're staying six feet apart from people just seems so much harder to remember. Even, you know, people want to, you know, reflexively shake hands again. I mean, if somebody's not constantly reminding you, um, it's hard to stop. Yeah, I was out interviewing uh, protesters and and a few of them did just that. They put their hand out to shake to shake hands with me, and it, it had been kind of a while since I had. And I almost didn't know what to do. At first, I was about to shake hands back, and I was like, "Oh, let's just uh, let's just let's just wave." <laughs> but to that point, I mean, the the state's top doctor, um, Dr. Kathleen Toomey, the commissioner of the Georgia Department of Public Health, she was the only one of of the officials at a press conference a couple of days ago uh, wearing a mask, um, and she was aligned with uh, law enforcement officials and Governor Kemp and and other state officials. And she took the mask off when she came up to speak and said, um, she said, look, uh, she was worried that widespread protests could be new hotspots for the coronavirus. And she said the state plans to set up test sites for demonstrators to screen for cases of the disease. And we don't know how many of them will, you know, will, will, will go for that, um, how many of the protesters will go for that. But um, the state is worried about that and is setting up those test sites. And 
they added too that uh, there's going to be a decrease in the number of overall tests because recently the National Guard has been helping administer those tests, especially in um, nursing homes. And um, the governor authorized as many as 3,000 National Guard troops to flood the streets of, of cities around Georgia um, uh, to, to sort of patrol the, the protests. And so a lot of those um, troops were, were working on coronavirus cases, and now they're working on protests. So you're going to see a, a decline or at least a slower rate of, of tests in Georgia because of that. Yeah, this might be uh, at least one too many crises to deal with. Um, yeah, coronavirus is, is such a uh, takes so much manpower to to manage um, to even uh, you know when we're not even preventing the spread of disease or necessarily lowering it, we're just you know managing an existing uh, sort of ongoing uh, possible plateau. Uh, it, you know, it's it's hard to imagine the state coming up with enough, um, you know, a, a, enough National Guardsmen uh, and women, enough, uh, enough everything to get uh, uh, either of these really under under control. I mean, it's just, you know, we, we just haven't been a, a state that has a lot of uh, government employees, uh, you know, other uh, other types of uh, manpower to, you know, to manage things that are this big. Yeah, it's been uh, just as you said, this week has seemed like a year and I'm sure we will have a lot more to talk about over the next few because we have an election coming up um, and we have so much more news to cover. Uh, And Willa, you've been right in the middle of all of it. Thank you so much for joining us. That's all for this edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Visit AJC.com slash politics for all the latest in Georgia news. I'm Greg Bluestein signing off. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.